0: Turn our attention to Revelation 4, 1 through 8. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashing of lightning And the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Amen. This is God's word.
1: Well, the joy of preaching through the book of Revelation. It's... um, it's been uh, a wonderful journey to try to look at this book, but a real challenge because I, I look out and I think, okay, we're all involved in our daily lives. How does what we just read impact the way, uh, you're gonna spend your summer or do your job or VBS or what is it, what is all these creatures and this vision of heaven? So I want to, um, Try to un uh, uh, peel back a little bit this unveiling that we 've had of this apocalypse, this revelation of who Jesus Christ is we 've come out of the opening chapters where uh, John has demonstrated that he 's going to tell us about the, this vision that he 's had, and these letters to these churches that it 's being this vision is being read to, and then. Now he gets a picture of heaven. I want you to think for a minute of what, what do you think heaven's going to be like? Whether it's just your own interpretation or whether it's from stuff you think in the Bible or read, it's very interesting to read what religions or people all over the world think heaven's going to be like, right? Some of you think heaven's just going to be like nobody asking, you know, you to do anything, just in your bathroom and no one saying, Where's my shoes? That's heaven, you know, or for some of you, it's sort of pebble beach and play playing on the golf course. Um, some it's just a you know beautiful nature scene or whatever. I doubt many of us in heaven picture what John saw when he walked through an open door so uh, as we as we look at this and as we're going to look at this and what it matters to us, I want to go just remind you of a couple of things that as Revelation is this two worlds, what's seen and what's unseen. We, they lived in this century, this first century, they were living in a world where there was a lot of chaos and uncertainty and the spiritual truth that is seen in Revelation 4 is these two parallel lines. We have to remember that there's something real in the unseen. Okay, So keep that in mind. Other things that I've said before, but I just want to remind you is that we, we tend to be uncomfortable with Revelation because it's pictures, not words. Revelation is full of pictures and we really begin to get into it. And this isn't even half the weirdness that's coming. I'll just tell you. Uh, you, we're, it's going to get the, the, the visual images. We don't tend to operate in that. We like numbers. I do. I like words and numbers that are understood. Instead, we have images. He's trying to describe the indescribable. And I don't even know what Jasper and Carnelian are. I I know they're stones of some sort. You can look them up. They're pretty cool. But what is he's trying to describe what is indescribable. So he's putting figurative language on that. And finally, and this is important because when as people are going through revelation and the difficulty is that we so want to assign meanings to these things. What does all the numbers mean? What does 7 indicate or 144,000 or what 666 or what do the the stones mean or the 7 of this mean? And we're going to have to live with a certain amount of uncertainty. Here's what I would say. The more certain, as you listen to people teach on Revelation, the more positive they are about what this means, the more I'd shy away a little bit from that. People who are so sure that they know the 24 elders, well, that is... Believe me, I've read about eight commentaries and eight different versions of what all this means. I'm not saying you can't glean anything, but being, being sure that we have a little bit of humility that we're we're not sure. I'm not going to take a long time to tell you, well, this is what, you know, because it's this many years, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to back off of that and try to think of things, uh, try to tell you things that I think are clear from this that can impact and affect our lives. All right. We're coming out as we as we start in Revelation chapter four, he says, after this, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. What's the this after what? The seven letters to the churches. They've just, he's just delivered these seven words to various churches that we discussed last week. We didn't go through each word, but it sort of gave you a template for how those words look. So. If you remember the last, it's interesting. Do you remember the last one we went through most specifically was the church at Laodicea? And we talked about that sort of verse that's if you've been around Christian things, behold, I stand at the door and knock to a church, right? He's talking to the church. Jesus is outside and he's knocking on the door of the church saying, if you'll open the door, I can come in and be with you and sup with you. It's kind of a sad commentary, right? Right but the church has to have an open door because the door is closed to Jesus. And then the very next image, where the door to Jesus is closed, there's an open door. Closed door, open door. I'm not going to tell you, they're, I know they're related, but it is interesting to me that the two doors are right there. And he says, there's a door open, John. Come on in. Walk through this door. And behold, open door in heaven and a voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet which goes back to early on the voice of Jesus is considered a trumpet in, uh, in Revelation chapter 1 it says come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this I tell you it's not sometime in the future after what after this we don't know the people reading this I believe would have seen this in not thousands of years in the future, but what they were experiencing right then. This is a church that is going through persecution. Let's remember what the churches are going through. So Ephesus had lost their first love. Smyrna was being killed for their faith. Pergamum was being tempted by false teaching that was really attractive. The uh, Thyatira was tolerating sexual deviancy and sin in their midst. Sardis was just a church that didn't care anymore. They'd given up. They were dead. Philadelphia was a church under intense persecution. And Laodicea was a church that was lukewarm. Just think about it. Does any of that describe where you are or where I am? In terms of feeling like, you know, the things of God, I'm just not that passionate about. I'm really tempted by the sin. I don't know exactly what's true. I feel pressed on all sides. I'm just ready to give up. I think all these things are the reality of Christians. And what is it after these things that Jesus invites John to come in. The Spirit of God invites John to come in to see. Is it you? Don't understand. You need you need better teaching. Really, what you need is to sort of mentally comprehend why the the you know the false teaching is this. He says, "No, why don't you come in and just stand and watch what's going on in heaven?" So now he tries to describe the indescribable. So, what does heaven look like here? I'll just try to. You know, give you a little bit of a picture from what we read. Here's what happened. It's a throne. He sees a throne, a jeweled figure wrapped in an emerald rainbow. There's 24 other thrones around it. There's a huge thunder and lightning storm. There's torches of fire. There's a sea of glass. There's these six-winged creatures, eyes on every side. I told you this was imagery, right, not words. These elders are falling down. The creatures are crying, holy, 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 constantly unceasing. The elders are crying, worthy is the Lord. These are beings of incredible power and understanding. The eyes all around probably see that they they see everything. And yet when they see God, they can do nothing but just be enthralled. When I think of a thunder and lightning storm, a a number of years ago, we were in Southern California. I was driving home, and uh, all of a sudden... Going up the mountain pass, Southern California has these tremendous storms. I've lived in, like, Florida where there's huge thunderstorms, but I never experienced anything like this storm. Lightning flashes. I felt like every lightning flash was right at my car, and the booms of thunder. I literally pulled off to the side of the road because I was driving at about 10 miles an hour on a major highway. Just every five seconds, it was just this... Boom in my ears and lightning just striking the ground and I was thinking I'm, I'm, I'm gonna perish here. You know what I wasn't? I wasn't bored. (laughs) I was sort of afraid in an awestruck way. I was sort of afraid for my life a little bit. I'd heard, I'd always heard that, you know, cars are really good conductors of electricity. So somehow I'd be like in a, one of those, um, you know, wrapped up. So if it hit me, it wouldn't, you know, the, as long as the tires were touching the ground. I think I heard something like that one time. So I thought I was probably safe, but I wasn't sure. But you know what I was? I was awestruck by the power that was surrounding me. What? I think is a takeaway is that no matter where you are and what's going on and what concerns you and what things you're wondering about in your life, what you don't know, what you're anxious about, what you need is what the churches then need, which is to come into the very presence of God and to realize that by comparison... The majesty and grandeur and power of God makes everything else go away. When I was driving and I was surrounded by that fearsome storm, I was not I was in seminary at the time. I can tell you I wasn't thinking at all about whatever seminary project was due. I wasn't thinking about anything but the power that was going on around me. And we need more than anything else, I think, to every day, every moment, keep our perspective. Because, you know, when we're hurting, when we're suffering, whether it's physically or emotionally, relationally, financially, it's so easy to let that consume us. But when you walk into the presence of God and you, you are in this picture and this portrait, of a God of inestimable worth and power. All of a sudden, the perspective is set. We read this morning from Isaiah 6. Did you notice uh, anything that seemed to be the same from Isaiah 6? I would challenge you to read Ezekiel 1 this week as well. It's a very similar picture. John was able to see these things because he was steeped in the Old Testament. Zechariah, the end of Zechariah, all these things are apocalyptic literature that John, when he wrote this, it came from the wealth of knowledge he had about the Scripture already. God speaks to you so often through Scripture that you've known and is implanted. These are pictures that came out of... The Old Testament in Isaiah, you've got this. uh, What we read this morning um, is a very righteous prophet in Isaiah who is at a high point in the history of Israel. At the time Uzziah died, Israel was doing really well. And Isaiah walks in and sees this picture of heaven. And what does he say? Woe is me. By comparison, I see the holiness and the power of God. The lightning storm is going on all around me. And by comparison, I see God and not me and not everything that I'm suffering with. I was going to try to do both uh, Revelation 4 and 5 today, and I gave up about halfway through because there's just too much. So uh, next week we're going to cover chapter 5 we are, um, as, as we walk into the throne room and we see this picture, the response that we have is going to be crucial. We can either see this fearsome picture of a holy and just and sovereign and righteous God, and we can run the other way and we can say, this is beyond my comprehension. I just don't understand it. I, I want to to go somewhere safe where I get it. Or we can run to God because in what we're going to see in chapter 5 is this lamb who was slain, who was wounded for us, has made this inaccessible God completely accessible. And that's where we'll we'll go next week. But this, this scene... It's going to be, can be transformational for us, can give you a reason to live. You know, there are, we live in a world right now where people are struggling to find a reason to live. They're struggling to find a reason not to hurt themselves, struggling for their identity. Who am I? What was I made for? I have no idea. So they search all these different areas to try to find out who they are and why they're alive. And if you don't come up with a reason, it's despair. It's utter despair. But when you walk into and get a picture of the throne room of God and you tie the picture together that this is not fearsome in terms of I have to be afraid and hide. But this God, who is so powerful, loved me enough to come to earth to make himself understandable in Jesus and to love you enough to be slain on your behalf. You will be transformed. You will have a reason to live. When you know you're loved, It changes everything. And when you know you're loved by God, the God who is mighty beyond comprehension, holy and good, doesn't reject you but loves you. It changes everything for every breath you've got. Our response is to enter into the worship that we're watching these 24 elders and these creatures If we enter into that worship, hmm, God will do something amazing in you. I want to, for us, the the songs that we'll be singing as the band comes up in just a minute, are from this, uh, either the pictures or the actual words come from what we've just read. And we get the opportunity to worship. So many of the created beings, they worship as best they can the rocks who may cry out or the beasts. But we, in the image of God, get to enjoy and experience Him in worship. And so I want to encourage us for the next 15 minutes or so as we close the service. As we sing, holy is the Lord and worthy is the Lord and great is the Lord. I want to encourage us to to be able to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, to be able to sense him. Because the point of this is that when John went into heaven, it's happening now. It's not simply a time in the future. God is on his throne now. He's reigning now on earth as it is in heaven We can make it so in this little room for a few minutes. We can make it right now on earth as it is in heaven, as the saints worship. Let me invite the band to come up as I pray for us. Lord, I thank you that this picture that John had that's full of images that seem strange perhaps to us, Lord, but I pray that it would inspire within us all. Lord, we so want our answers broken down into things that we understand, that we can control, that everything is explainable, whether by science or by reason. Lord, but you Unfortunately, I guess for those of us who like that, you aren't containable within those things because you created them and you stand outside. Lord, it's not that they're at odds with one another. It's simply that you're bigger and grander and that there is an unexplainableness to you that we simply need to love and embrace. Because if we could control you and explain you, then, boy, you wouldn't be much of a god. So, Lord, help us in response to worship, to bow down, Lord, to humble ourselves as those created by your hand and yet loved. Loved so much and valued so much that, Lord, when we know how valuable we are, Lord, we will withhold nothing from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We invite you to stand if you'd rather central worship for a bit of time. If you'd rather sit uh, after a while, feel free. But
0: um, and then we'll we'll just close in in worship together.